But what I want to ask you is this. How do you reflect on your 2018? How do you think about your 2018? What do you feel about it? How was it? And what was it kind of in your life? Has this been a good year? A great year? A tough year? A terrible year? How was your 2018? Now, I'm not going to do a a kind of a show of hands or any shouting out. That would be a bit much, I think. But I want to try and get under your skin by asking you that question in a few different ways to see if I can tease out some of your reflections. I'm not going to get you to share them, but I want to try and get you to reflect on your last 12 months. Here's one way of asking it. If you look at your life, is your life more like you wanted it to be at the end of 2018? Have you got nearer to the kind of thing that you'd love your life to look like? Or has 2018 actually taken you against your will further away from that? Has there been advance and you've gone nearer to where you wanted to be? Or do you feel like it's gone backwards or it's stalled? Or things have happened that have made your story go not where you wanted it to go? Another way of asking it might be this. Have you experienced this year primarily an overwhelming sense of breakthrough in your life, of God bursting in and meeting your prayers and answering them and working in you and bursting into your life? Is that your sense of 2018? Or is it more when you actually honestly reflect on 2018 that the thing that actually overwhelms you is not breakthroughs, but breakthroughs that you believed for and prayed for and asked for and longed for that haven't happened? Is it breakthrough or is it absence of breakthrough? Uh, We've been doing a life group at our house this term. And uh, the plan for that life group has simply been to pray for the same list of stuff for the whole term. So we do our jacket potatoes, like good little life groupers, And then we get the list out and we pray most weeks for some of the stuff on this list. And that's the plan for the term. And it's incredible to get those three bits of very color-coordinated A3 paper out and put them in our lounge floor and to see at the end of the term the breakthroughs that God has brought because we pray. It's been phenomenal. So people getting jobs that we were asking for and they get them because we prayed and God broke in. Wonderful. Family situations changed for the better because we prayed. People coming along, suddenly asking to come along to church stuff because we prayed for people. Wonderful sense of breakthrough. But the problem is, because we wrote them all down at the start of the year, at the start of the term, there's also in ink and paper a list of stuff that we've been praying for that hasn't happened. Do you know that experience? And all the things I put on the list haven't happened. And actually, all the things I put on the list, they've actually gone pretty much so far backwards to looking like God's working in them that if I was now doing a term on praying for stuff, I wouldn't even bother writing them down because it looks so pointless now. And I'm the life group leader, so I'm kind of feeling this sense of inner pressure to kind of spin it and go, no, look, it did happen. You know, if you just squint and kind of turn it sideways, and it, it basically, we've all, this all happened. And actually, loads of breakthroughs happened, but actually, for me, I'm overwhelmed with the sense of there are prayers I need to still pray because God seemingly has not been acting. 
What's your year? Breakthrough or absence of breakthrough? There's one more way I want to ask it to try and get under your skin. When you think about 2018, the days and the weeks and the months that make up that year, have you had a tangible, overwhelming sense of the nearness of God in your life? Have you sensed his presence? Is that what you think about when you think about the year? Or, and we know he's present with us, right? So we all know the stuff. He's with us till the end of the age, etc. But in your experience, when you reflect on the year, is it actually, for some of us, more a feeling of his absence or his distance? I've been thinking about this recently. There's been times this year for my relationship with God where I've literally wept tears of joy that the God of heaven would be that near to me and come and speak things into my weird me that closely and that tenderly and it's been staggering and yet there have been times this year that I feel my relationship with God has been less like maybe this is just me but less like a person I'm relating to and more like a memory that I'm trying to remember about a person I relate to like I'm trying hard to conjure up this Christian thing in my head because I know he's there but it doesn't feel like he's there what's your 2018 his presence, or a sense of his absence. I reckon probably for all of us, if we're honest, it's probably somewhere in the middle. Or, you notice this as a Christian, maybe it's like train tracks. Maybe both of those things seem to be true at the exact same time. (laughs) That there's things you look at, and God is breaking in. And there's things you look at, and you go, he really doesn't seem to be. And that's the Christian life, isn't it? The kingdom is here, and the kingdom is not here. It's here, and it's not here yet. And it's totally here. It's not totally here. And you walk with it. You have that sense of 2018. Now, if you do, and you actually look at the year, and you think, I know God's been with me, but it doesn't feel like he's been with me, and I've got questions and doubts, then I've got something to say to you, because Christmas is for you. Christmas is for people like you and me. Christmas isn't for the people who everything they touch turns to gold and every prayer they throw up in tongues. God has already, he goes, oh, I've never thought of that, but that's wonderful. Let's do it. You run the world. You're smashing it. Absolutely stunning. You're just floating from one spiritual experience to the next. All of them YouTube worthy. Just amazing sense of the presence of God in every second. Christmas isn't for you lot. It's for you lot and me. It's for real people. It says in the Bible that the the light that comes at Christmas is seen by people who know darkness. And if people wandering around and all they know is light, well, good for them. That's not my experience. People in darkness see the light of Christmas. And I want to show you that. And I think God wants to show you this, that Christmas is for you in just looking at two things in the Christmas story. And what we're going to look at is some stuff that most of you will know very well indeed. But God wants to bring it to you and flood your soul with hope and faith at the end of this year by looking at two things. We want to look at the context for Christmas and we want to look at a character in the Christmas story. We're going to spend most of our time on the context. We'll have a quick look at one character at the end. And then there's going to be a chance to respond 
as well. Now, firstly then, the context, the context for Christmas. You never thought that someone could promise you hope and joy flooding to your soul because of some context. But that's, gonna, that's what we're going to go for this morning. Now, speaking about breakthrough, think with me, visualize this with me. Christmas is literally the biggest breakthrough you could ever have, isn't it? You know, if someone chucked God became a human in the Church Central Stories of Breakthrough Facebook group, they'd be getting a lot of likes, maybe some loves, you know? That's a big breakthrough. Literally, the sky is black, and at Christmas, light bursts in. It breaks through. God breaks through at Christmas. It's, a, it's, it's breakthrough times a million, and it's silent. But then angels sing and shout for joy. It's a breakthrough. And humanity has never had God among it, And then breakthrough at Christmas. So Christmas is all about breakthrough. But if you open your Bible at Luke chapter 1, or Matthew chapter 1, or Mark chapter 1, or even John chapter 1, the start of the Christmas story, and that's where you start Christmas, you're going to miss something really important about the Christmas story. You see, the context for Christmas is not this ever-increasing sense of breakthrough, this catalyst festival times a thousand sense of everything, so God's so near and everyone's loving it, and then Jesus is born as the cherry on the top. That's not what happens at Christmas. The context for Christmas is that for an incredibly long time, there's been a gut-wrenching, heartbreaking, mind-bending, soul-raging, question-raising sense of God's absence because for 400 years God has been totally silent do you know that from the last words of the old testament to the first events of the new testament the breakthrough you know that page in your bible that divides those two moments that page is 400 years thick in the real world And in that 400 years, breakthrough, no, silence. Heaven is shut. Now that is like it's been silent in the the world from God since 1618. God has not broken through since 1618. And you've got to keep following him. You've got to keep believing. That's a long time. That's a dry spell. You think your Christian life's gone pause for a bit. And I speak to some people in Emerge, and they really boldly admit to me at times that they believe in God, but actually for them, a lot of the things they hear about, it hasn't happened to them. And they're living off sometimes the experiences of their parents. And their parents tell these stories, and they go, I believe you, and I believe God, and I ain't seen it. You think you're living off another generation's faith. Fifteen generations up, and God's done nothing obvious that is worth noting down in the world. It seems like he's been totally not there for 15 generations. Now, the the people of God are not used to this experience, okay? There are times of wilderness in the Old Testament, aren't there? But that God would be silent doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. God is the speaking God, isn't he? We've been seeing in uh, Genesis, how does God create the world? He speaks the universe into being. He's the speaking God. 
There's loads of silent gods in the Bible. All the little wooden statue gods. They can't talk. But the God of the Bible speaks. He speaks. He's not silent. And he speaks, and he speaks amazing promises to his people. He says to Adam, doesn't he, when Adam and Eve walk away, we've been seeing it, they plunge the whole show into this mess by their sin, just as we would have done. And God promises to them, he speaks to them a promise. He says to Adam, one day, I promise you, one will come who will save you. He'll save the human race. One day, God speaks this promise. And he says to Abraham, we're going on a little Old Testament journey, come with. Um, He says to Abraham, he says, one day, I promise, there's going to be a seed that comes from you, Abraham, that's going to bless Israel, no, bless the whole world through this offspring. One day, I promise, God speaks a promise. And he says to David, King David, he says, you think you're a spirit-anointed king that rules for God? You ain't seen anything. One day, I promise, there's going to be a king from your line, and he's going to be full of the spirit, and he's going to rule on your throne forever. Just you wait. One day, I promise, and he speaks a promise. And he says to Isaiah, he says, you know, this guy's going to come. He's going to be born of a virgin. And Isaiah's like, huh? He says, I speak to you a promise. One day, I promise. And then later in Isaiah, he says to Isaiah, do you know what this, this ruler, this victor, this saviour is going to be like? He's going to suffer. He's going to take our, our sin on himself and be punished. And he's going to win by looking like he's lost. One day, I promise, he speaks a promise. And then he says to Micah, just to show off really, he says, and it will be in little Bethlehem. Little rubbish Bethlehem. One day. I promise. And then the Old Testament shuts, and there's 400 years of nothing. And if you feel like the promises of God are hard to believe at the end of your year, you need to look hard into the Christmas story and find hope. Because it's never looked less like the promises of God are going to be fulfilled. It's never looked harder to believe it. It's never looked more like it's obviously a waste of time. And then... Turn the page and breakthrough and light and angels and a little baby. And every promise in the rich tapestry of the promises of God that you think, how could one person encompass all of that? All of that is met in a little baby at Christmas. And the promises against all the odds come true and were worth believing. Every promise. And he says to Adam, one's going to come. He's going to save you from your sin. And what is it we hear? The angel say to Mary, you're going to call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Promises are all yes in this baby. Does he say to Abraham, I'm going to promise you one day, one will come and he'll bless the whole world. And even as a little baby, people from the east are coming to pay homage to the king. He's not, he can't even speak yet. <laughs> and people are drawing from all around the world to him. What does he say to David? A king will come. And what are the heart that the, the herald angels sing? Glory to the newborn king. All the promises come true in the baby. What does he say to Isaiah? Born of a virgin. And God comes to Mary. 
does he say to Isaiah? He's going to grow up and suffer. And even as a baby, Herod's trying to kill him. And there's this sense that this baby is going to be marked by suffering. And they bring him gifts. They bring him gold because he's a king. And they bring him frankincense and myrrh. These things used to balm dead bodies at funerals. You think you can't bring that to the baby shower. And it's because this baby is going to somehow be marked by death. He's born to die. All the promises come true in Jesus. And where does it happen? Athens, Jerusalem, London, New York, Bethlehem. All the promises come true in Jesus. Now, if you're waiting for the promises of God to come true, it's tough, isn't it? And it's hard. You need to take heart that Christmas is not simply, Jonathan was saying about this in Genesis, it's not simply that we need to know that God exists. That's not the devil's game. To make us doubt that God exists is to make us doubt that he's good and faithful to his promises. And Christmas shows you he's faithful to his promises. It's the theme that comes up all the way through Luke chapter 1. Just look at a few what the characters say. I've never seen that this is all the way through Luke chapter 1 before. Look what the angel says to Mary. What's Christmas about? Just jump to the verse. The word of God will never fail. That's what Christmas shows. You struggling? The word of God will never fail. Look what Elizabeth says to Mary. You are blessed. What is Mary? Some superhuman. Whoa. Hail Mary. No. She's blessed. Because you believe that the Lord would do what he said he'd do. That's what it is to be blessed. Believe what God says. Look what Mary herself says in her song. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. The promises come true at Christmas. And look what Zechariah says. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he's visited and redeemed his people. He sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of David, just as he promised through his servants, his prophets long ago. Has it been a long time since God promised you something? She became a Christian. You know, God would be with me. And we'd do feats together. We'd, we'd see breakthrough together. Has it been a long time? God keeps promises from long ago. And Christmas shows you that. That's the context. And just quickly, I want to look at the character. And then there's going to be a chance to respond if you want to. There's a look at this character. And he really sums up this guy. What you do when breakthrough hasn't come. And his name is Simeon. You might know of Simeon. The context for this is uh, Mary and Joseph, good Jewish parents, are taking Jesus off to the temple to get him dedicated, do all the stuff. And they're heading off to the temple, and they meet this guy, Simeon. Now, Simeon's like a big deal in the Bible. You only hear about him this once, but he's, he's a legend, okay? I'd want him at my fantasy dinner party, because look how he's described in the passage. Look what Luke says about him. He doesn't say much about his family history or his personality. He says this, he was righteous and devout and the Holy Spirit was on him. Now, if you're a Jewish man, 
There is no better character reference than that. Righteous and devout and full of the Holy Spirit. That, you can't get better than Simeon, okay? He's absolutely nailing it. And you think, wow, it's probably exaggerated. Who wrote this bit of the Bible? Well, Luke and the Holy Spirit. So it's true. So Simeon is righteous, devout. He's the best guy you've ever seen at following God. He's full of the Holy Spirit. What do you picture when you hear of a a devout, spirit-filled person? Hundred churches planted by breakfast, probably. You know, every moment's incredible. Breakthroughs galore. Pray, breakthrough. Pray, breakthrough. What a dream. Do you know, there's only one thing you learn about what Simeon does in his life. This old man. There's one verb you get about him, one doing word, one act that makes him held up in Scripture as the best guy. Look what it says he did. He was eagerly waiting for the Messiah. Eagerly waiting. It's an incredible example of a God follower. He waited well. And he gets in the Bible for it. Now, I think we can fall for the lie, and I can fall for the lie, that real Christians had a way better 2018 than me. Real Christians, they, re- they saw tons of stuff happening. Real Christians pray and it happens. But, but, but people like me and you, well, we're missing something. We're missing a trick. Well, you know, we must need to go to the next best conference or read the next best book to, to figure it all out so that we can get to breakthrough Christianity. Now, God breaks through. We believe that. But Simeon is righteous, devout, full of the Spirit, and he's commended for waiting. When it didn't look like God was breaking through, he didn't get cynical, he didn't chuck the towel in, he turned up and he eagerly waited and he believed. Now, I think that, ha- that shapes how you assess your 2018. And maybe how you assess how well you're doing in your walk with God. What does that mean? But I walk around with this low-level sense of guilt the whole time because I ain't seeing everything that everyone else sees on YouTube. Maybe a year in 2018 that honoured God is an only sensational breakthroughs and is an only incredible moments. But maybe it's also true that God is honoured by those who don't see breakthrough and keep trusting him and believe and still believe. Maybe if your 2018 is is characterized by a list that didn't happen, maybe the fact that you're here shows you're not some failure, you're not some Z-list Christian. You're a giant if you believe the promises of God when it's hard to. You're a giant like Simeon. And then at the end of the story of Simeon, what happens? Gets his breakthrough. Like a big one. He holds the Messiah. He holds God in his wrinkly hands. He gets his breakthrough. And you might get your breakthrough. And I'm believing that this Church Central Stories of Breakthrough page is going to be more full than ever in the next 12 months because God is the God of breakthrough and Christmas shows us that. I'm also believing that for some of us, we'll live through 2019 and some of these breakthroughs won't come because the kingdom of God is like that. 
And some of the things I've got on my list might still need to be on my list in 2019. In 2049, in 2069 they might be. They might be. But I'll tell you what, just as Simeon knew that there was a day when his promises that he'd heard from God would come true in the Messiah, I think God would want to rush to you right now and build your faith that one day, yes, all of these little horizons of breakthrough, definitely, but ultimately, one day, if you eagerly wait for the Messiah, everything will be wrapped up, and every promise of God will come true, and every pain that you've prayed to leave will go, and every breakthrough you've longed for, well, God will have worked it all for good and wrapped the whole thing up forever. How's your 2018? Like both things at the same time, probably. But never, ever has it looked less likely that God would keep his promises than at Christmas, and he does it. And Simeon, well, he waits for God. And maybe the question you need to ask yourself is not, where did I get it wrong? But am I waiting well for God?